You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Better late than never, right? Better to start at 920 than to not start at all. I do apologize for the late start this Thursday morning. Um, if you're on Long Island, you realize the uh, the heavy torrential downpours that are coming on. And um, let's just say maybe I didn't take the rain as seriously as I should have. A 20-minute commute on most days on normal days turned into almost an hour to get here. But alas, we are here. When you're here on this Thursday morning, we do welcome you in to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hopefully you're enjoying your week, having a good start on Monday, and now continuing it on Thursday. And soak it in. Uh, breathe in it. Football is here. Football is here. The NFL starting tonight. Major college football at the ACC and the Big 12. Um, starting technically tonight with Miami playing UAB. Balls to some big games as well this upcoming Saturday. And for all the doubts that we had back in March, for all the concern and consternation and discussion of should they play, will they play, what's going to happen, we have made it at least to opening night. We have made it to kickoff. We have made it to at least to where the NFL and college football are going to try. And to me, that's all you can really ask for. Try, see what happens, hope, obviously, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that everything can go well, everything, everything can go um, as according to plan. The players can stay safe. And you can play games in a safe way, but also, again, obviously, uh, play the season and try to get to it uh, in full. And fingers crossed, we can get a Super Bowl champion crowned, we can get a college ball playoff champion crowned, and at least bring some sort of normality back to what has anything been a normal year here in 2020. But very excited. Very, very, very excited. A lot to get to. Obviously, we'll do wall-to-wall NFL preview. We'll give you our division winners, give you wild card, win- uh, wild card teams coming in. Remember, three wild card teams in each league this year. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, cultural playoff predictions. Again, since two of the three Power Five conferences that are going to be playing this fall are kicking off this weekend, we'll give you the four teams that will make the wall playoff. Hint, spoiler, spoiler alert, excuse me. We'll do that at 1020, so just about an hour or so from now. One team that I have going to the cultural playoff, I really don't see anyone else predicting. And I promise you it's not a hot take. It's not hyperbole. It's not trying to just say something outrageous and get some, uh, get some reaction. I really do think this team's going to make the playoff. And I can't believe the lack of attention they're getting, especially considering one team got weaker in the last few weeks. Now, if you listen to the show, then the last week you have one team who I'm talking about getting weaker, but I do who I'm talking about. And I'll tell you who that team is um, at 1020 Eastern. Like I said, we'll do NFC predictions. We'll do AFC predictions. I want to continue the Deshaun Watson talk as well. We started Monday's show, or at least we discussed on Monday's show, Deshaun Watson getting uh, that brand-new four-year, basically $160 million extension. Now he's the second-highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, behind only the great Patrick Mahomes, fitting those two quarterbacks will square off tonight to open the 2020 NFL season. But I want to get into, because we talked about it from the Texas perspective, right, where I thought Deshaun Watson was worth the money. He's one of those quarterbacks to where you definitely hit your wagons to. You pay him all that money because he's shown time and time again, not only is he a winner, he can win with what's around him and what's around him is not a lot. But what I, wa- I wish I did on, on Monday, and I want to do here on Thursday, is that we should have looked at this, and why don't we look at this from the quarterback perspective, from Deshaun Watson's perspective? Because seeing what's going on in the NBA, seeing the discussion in the NBA the last week w- with what's going on with Giannis and the Bucks, and kind of the narrative that's circling around that team, I'm curious, 
why don't we use that same narrative and apply it to franchise quarterbacks? Because we openly admit that's probably the most important position in all of sports. It directly impacts whether a team will have a good year or a bad year. And similar to the superstar in the NFL, a superstar, excuse me, in the NBA, you get a franchise quarterback, you get a superstar on your NBA team, your fortunes are changing. Just like that, right away. So how can we don't view them and talk about them in the same way? I'll tell you what I mean by that. And uh, in just about 45 minutes or so, at the top of the second hour, 10 a.m. Eastern. But I said, a lot to get to here. And as a reminder, we're coming to you live. Always. Late, on time, or late. Rain or shine, we're coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. And again, whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, or even phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria either in person if you're on Long Island, out in Medford, or online. Because again, everything's virtual. Online at BigItalyPizza.com. So like I said, NFL starts tonight. Finally, we are getting some NFL action, some real football to talk about. Texans and Chiefs and Arrowhead to kick it off. And so might as well start the show discussing predictions. We all love predictions. Whether we're right, whether we're wrong, we all love telling you what we think. No better time to give you some guaranteed to-be-wrong predictions. We'll love to get yours, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, uh, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. So we'll go through the NFC first. Division winners, play, basically we'll give you the playoff teams, right? Because... We don't have to talk a lot about the Jets stinking this year. Shocker. Or the Bengals maybe having a feisty year, but not going to be great. We'll give you the teams we want to talk about, the playoff teams. So with that said, we'll start in the AFC East. Obviously a division, a lot of question marks. Is this finally the change in the guard? Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. New England brings in Cam Newton, but is this really the reign? Are we going to see the reign of Bill Belichick and the Patriots over the NFC East finally? And to me, this is the year I say yes. I'm picking the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East. You look at the roster. Sean McDermott, the head coach in Buffalo, has done a great job, a phenomenal job of filling out the entire roster. A great defense. Solid offense. He added Stephon Diggs at wide receiver, which is, to me, a perfect complement to what you're trying to do for Josh Allen. Josh Allen likes to throw the ball deep. He's a massive arm. What is Josh Allen's biggest problem? What is his biggest area of concern? Accuracy. So you had Stephon Diggs, someone who's great at tracking the ball, someone who can go up and get the ball, even though he's not big. He's not a 6'5 receiver. When you throw the ball deep, he goes and gets it. So that's a perfect addition for what the Bills want to do. They return their entire offensive line, which, again, in 2020, you're going to see a theme here with all the division winners I pick and the, the, uh, the playoff teams I think are going to come out this year. You're going to see one theme, continuity. To me, that's going to matter. You have no, or I should say, very limited offseason, no preseason games, a very truncated training camp you're going to rely more this year than ever on familiarity continuity picking up where you left off last year and to me that's what i love with the bills offensive line returning that's massive i think josh allen will take a step this year he improved from his rookie year to last year i think he'll improve again from last year to this year my question is how big how big is that leap going to be if he makes a pretty decent leap the bills gonna be really good now i don't think it's going to happen but i think he's going to be good enough to where the bills will win the division again their roster overall is really good I have questions about New England, and for that reason, because they are the deepest roster, because they have continuity, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills, finally, for the first, or I guess, well, so the Patriots have won 17 out of 18 division titles, not this year, make that 17 out of 19, the Buffalo Bills, circle the wagons, the Bills are winning the AFCs, we'll go to the North, this one's easy, Baltimore Ravens, right, I mean, honestly, you look at the AFC North, really everyone else is playing for second place here. Not only did they go 14-2 last year, not only did they return the reigning MVP of the league, 
they got better this offseason. It's hard to say for a team that won 12 straight games to finish the regular season. They were so dynamic on offense, very solid on defense, but they got better this offseason. They traded for Clayus Campbell, a monster inside. Honestly, one of the most underrated, unsung heroes on the defensive line in the NFL. I really am a big fan of their draft picks. I think Patrick Queen at linebacker will fit in nice. I love the J.K. Dobbins pick at running back. Just keep on plugging and playing great, phenomenal running backs into that run-heavy system. Speaking of which, as we know, right, not only is the NFL a copycat league, once the blueprint's out there, once the formula is out there on what you do, defensive coordinators and teams are quick to adjust, right? And you, you see it with the Wildcat. You see it even with the spread offense now and the mobile quarterbacks. The first team to kind of zig when everyone else is zagging, try something out of the box and has success, it's tough for teams in season to adjust to slow it down. You have a full offseason full of tape. You have all offseason now and on all of March, April, May, June, July for defense coordinators bunkered down, especially this year with nothing really else to do. Asking and how can they figure out how can we slow down this Ravens offense? To me, it's still not going to happen this year. I don't believe this is the year where the Ravens all of a sudden get figured out, they get solved, and maybe they get exposed. No, 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 no. They're going to pick up where they left off. I love how they keep the coaching staff from a continuity. Greg Groban, their offensive coordinator, who really built and designed this offense for Lamar Jackson. Returns, which I love. I think they're just going to keep on getting better. I think they'll add more wrinkles. And I think it's not as easy to think to slow down this run-heavy, rush-heavy team of the Baltimore Ravens. I have a little concern about the durability of the wide receivers. All right, they, Marquise Brown struggled to stay on the field last year as a smaller wide receiver. Didn't get great production out of the wideout spot. But outside of that, I still have a lot of faith this, this Ravens team is going to be really, really, really good again. To me, that's why they're taking the AFC North. We'll go to the South. We talked a lot about the Texans. We really haven't talked really anything about the Colts. They signed Phillip Rivers. If you listen to the show back in March, as a Colts fan myself, not a fan of the signing at all, to be honest. I'm not a Philip Rivers fan. I would have loved to see them stick with Jacoby Brissett. I thought they would have been a better team. With that said, I'm still picking the Colts to win the AFC South. I'm not expecting a lot from Philip Rivers. I, I promise you I'm not. I didn't change all of a sudden now to now we're close to the season. I'm predicting a big year from Philip Rivers. But you look at it. The best offensive line maybe he's ever had in his entire career. Great set of skill receivers, running backs, tight ends. One of the best he's had in his time. He's going to actually have a competent, talented offense around him. So, you're not asking Phil Rivers to do a lot. In the last few years, you're asking really Phil Rivers to do a lot. Put the team on his back. Lead them. That's not going to happen. That's not going to be the case. Colts going to try to run the ball a lot. Run it down your throat, just punch you in the mouth. I think it takes a lot of pressure off Phil Rivers. And you're not asking him to be a lead at 38 years old. You're not. So coming off of one of the worst years of his career, again, I'm still skeptical. But at least I like the fact that the Colts are going to ask little from Phillip Rivers. Be aggressive. Make some downfield throws for sure. But we don't need you to throw the ball 45 times a game for us to win. So I like the offense. I love the DeForest Buckner trade that they got from the 49ers this offseason. Because you're going to have him going against that beleaguered Texans offensive line twice a year? Yes, please. I'll sign up for that all day. So similar to the Buffalo Bills, right, where I love their entire roster and have questions about their quarterback, that's exactly how I feel about the Colts. I love the way Chris Ballard has built this roster. The offense is very talented. They're getting depth, which is what they need at the skill positions because last year they were just eviscerated and killed in December 
with injuries to the skill positions, especially at the wide receiver core. So you draft Michael Pittman. You have pair him with T.Y. Hilton. You have Paris Campbell coming back. I really like what the Colts have done depth-wise. Defense, they continue to add resources to. The secondary last year was a major concern. That's also because they were very young. So you get another year of experience, which especially in secondary, you see players that go from year one to year two really make a big jump. So I think that's going to be a, uh, a major success. And you look at the rest of the division. The Texans continue to make their team worse, not better. They continue to take weapons away from Deshaun Watson instead of adding them. So that's a concern. I think that Texas will take a step back this year. The Titans, the Titans to me are tricky. They caught lightning in a bottle, I feel like, last year. right? They, they rode Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill got hot. But I don't trust Ryan Tannehill to be this great quarterback that he was last year. I mean, their formula, to me, is predicated not on luck, but on, on, on some sense is luck. They rode Derrick Henry in the first half, and they really hoped Ryan Tannehill made a few plays with his arm in the second half. I just don't think it's sustainable because I don't think Ryan Tannehill is that good enough of a quarterback to do so. You saw in the playoffs, he really didn't have much of an impact. He really didn't play well. And when they needed him to play well, he couldn't. So you look at the Titans, you look at the Texans. None of those two teams scare me if I'm the Colts. And so that's why I'm taking them. Taking the best overall roster. And again, you're not asking Philip Rivers to do a lot, so that's why I'm rolling with the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South. AFC West, similar to the AFC North. It's the Chiefs, and it's no one else's division. And we're talking about a team similar to the Ravens that got better this offseason. They returned 18 of 22 starters from the Super Bowl, and they got better. They upgraded Damian Williams, who had a great Super Bowl. You upgrade from him to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, just the really the perfect fit, this Andy Reid-led offense out of the running back position. He's tough to tackle. He's great in the pass game. So you look at the talent they already have on the team, the talent they added. I mean, no one's in the same stratosphere in the AFC West. Really, seriously. The Raiders? No. The Broncos are a young and upcoming team. They are similar to the Cardinals in the NFC where they have a lot of young talent, a lot of intrigue. They're nowhere close to contenders. And the Chargers are, I mean, I like their roster. But I don't really know if they're trying to rebuild, if they're trying to go for it this year. The Chargers really have no direction. So to me, the biggest question for the Chiefs this year can Patrick Holmes get back to his rookie or his first year as a starter, I should say, performance? I mean, he threw 50 touchdowns in his first year as a starter two years ago. And, you know, battled a little bit, a uh, little bit of an injury last year, right? He had an ankle injury, dislocated kneecap. Could he get back? If he's fully healthy, could he surpass that 50 touchdown plateau? I think he absolutely could. He absolutely could. So the Chiefs, the Colts, the Ravens, the Bills, your AFC division winners, three wildcard teams this year will go to the Browns. I know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I bought it to the Browns last year. I thought they were going to be a playoff team. Now, I didn't think they were going to be a Super Bowl team. I didn't think they were going to win the division. I thought they were going to be a playoff team, a wildcard team. And obviously, they fell flat on their face. So here I am, another impressive offseason, another offseason of hype for Cleveland. So eventually, impressive offseasons have to just pile up, right? I like they got Jack Conklin on the offensive line, addressed one of their biggest weaknesses last year. They brought in a new head coach, which to me, Freddie Kitchens was one of the main reasons why a roster full of talent, especially on the offensive side, really struggled. Really struggled. You saw Baker Mayfield regress last year. To me, in part because Freddie Kitchens didn't have him prepared to play well. They didn't put him in positions to succeed, which I think will be different. Bringing in Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota, I like that 
head coaching hire. So you think about it. If we're just talking worst case here. It's really hard. You can't be any worse than Freddie Kitchens. You really can't in terms of unpreparedness, in terms of just lack of offensive flair. So I'm buying into that the offense will be better. And I think Baker Mayfield would have a bounce back year because of it. I think he'll look more like his rookie year. So I'm buying into Baker. I'm buying into the Browns. They're a wild card team. A team that the more I think about it, the more I like, but I still have major reservations about it, and that's the Steelers. Similar to the Colts, similar to the Bills, I really like their roster, especially their defense. I really like their defense a lot. But I have a lot of questions about Big Ben. Now, really, what won me over is that you look at the, the Steelers last year. right? Big Ben played a game and a half, hurt his elbow out for the year. So you had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges kind of flip-flop back and forth all last year. They started 14 games. In those 14 games they started, the Steelers went 8-6. and six. And it's like, okay, if you're winning games and you have a winning record with either Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges as your quarterback... Big Ben is not going to come in here and make this team worse. So he just has to be average. Someone to Phillip Rivers, you don't have to do a lot. Just be average, and this team will be a playoff team. Now, if he's even better than that, this offense is really going to carry. Steelers could be a really formidable threat because I really, again, like their defense. So picking the Steelers, again, Big Ben just has to stay healthy. Just has to not suck. And the Steelers will be a playoff team. And finally, this is honestly the toughest decision I had to make here. I'm not a fan of this pick. I honestly already regret it. But when I look at the, the rest of the AFC, there's no other team I can honestly put in there ahead of this team and feel confident about. And that's the Texans. And I boiled it down to one reason why I'm picking the Texans to make the playoffs. I boiled it down even two words. One name, Deshaun Watson. I hate this roster. Right? We, we talked about some of the picks, the Steelers, the Colts, the Bills. Talked about how great of a roster that they have. And they're the biggest question mark is at the quarterback position. But because the roster is so well-built, so strong at many different places, you don't have to have the quarterback do a lot in order to win. That's the complete opposite here in Houston. Deshaun Watson is the only certain, the only guarantee on this offense and really on this whole team. So he has continued to get the job done. I think his job's already going to get a lot harder, obviously, with the, uh, with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm going to trust in this scenario the best player left to make a run to put the team on his back and get the Texans at least to the promised land which is the playoffs because when you look at other teams other possibilities I considered New England it just comes down to honestly I don't trust Cam Newton to stay healthy I really don't the opt-outs on defense I think are going to come to come back to bite the the Patriots a little bit here but I just don't trust Cam to suit up for 16 15 even 14 games and give this team a legitimate chance to win the Titans, like I said, when I'm talking about the AFC South, I think they caught lightning in the bottle. I think they were regressed this year just because I don't think Ryan Tannehill is the guy. He's not a good enough quarterback to lead your team to the playoffs. And a spunky bunch, you want to say, like the Broncos, um, like I said, couldn't mirror the Cardinals. A lot of young talent, a lot of hype. But the, D, the defensive line injuries, first Bradley Chubb getting slow to come back from his ACL. Now, unfortunately, he's Von Miller. Seems to be out for the year with an angle injury. Tough blows. Really, really tough blows. I think they're a few years away from really being a, a good team to where we're talking about them making a real run, but just not this year. A little too young and now a little too uh, hurt by injuries to be a playoff team. So Texans, Steelers, Browns, three wildcard teams, Chiefs, Colts, Ravens, Bills are your AFC playoff teams. So I'm curious your thoughts. We'll take a break here.
whether you're a fan of a team in the, in the uh, AFC, whether you hate one of the IPECs, whether I'm not high enough on the Texans, not giving them too much credit, whether I'm giving a team like maybe the Colts or the Steelers or the Browns too much credit, let me know. Worldwide Sports Area Network on Facebook, WWSR underscore radio on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. So we'll come back. We'll get your thoughts on the AFC predictions. Any prediction you have for the AFC, let, me, let us know. When we come back, we'll do the NFC. When the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on this Thursday morning, the first Thursday with actual real football getting ready to be played. A very exciting time if you're a fan of the NFL, if you're a fan of college football, as we are rolling here on a football jam-packed Thursday morning. So we just went through, gave you all the AFC thoughts. Bills winning the AFC East. Ravens winning the AFC North. Colts winning the AFC South. Chiefs winning the AFC West with the Browns, Steelers, Texans. Your three wildcard teams from the AFC. We will move over to the NFC. NFC East. Can't believe I'm doing it. But I'm buying into the media hype. I am following a lot of people in the hype that they are putting on this team, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Because when push comes to shove, for how often that they have fallen flat in the big moment, how last year I really thought their roster was one of the most talented rosters in all the NFL, and what happened, they went 8-8, eight and eight, lost out to an Eagles team that had a college quarterback catching passes with them late in the year, calling fans from the stands, similar to Vince Pally from Invincible, because they were so banged up with wide receivers. They still won the division, and the Cowboys still flat, fell flat on their face. But to be honest, it's, it's too hard to look past their talent. Eventually, you have to just dumb your way into winning games and winning the division. They had a great offense last year. Second most efficient offense in DVOA, which measures efficiency. So second most efficient offense in all the NFL. They improved that. You get a great wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. You get rid of Jason Witten, addition by subtraction. So this offense is going to score, and they're going to score a lot. The offensive line is returning. A great offensive line. And again, talking about continuity, you have a lot of that outside of the center position returning. And to be honest, I like Mike McCarthy. He seems rejuvenated. I think he's learned from his mistakes in Green Bay. Hopefully he's a little more aggressive than he was with Aaron Rodgers. And speaking of aggressiveness, that's what he's going to have to be. Because that's what Jason Garrett was not. Talk about he was too passive. He didn't let the offense go. And I think you could tell he got nervous in the big moment and that reflected in the way his teams played. Last year, the Cowboys looked like the best team in the world when they played the Redskins, or Washington, excuse me, when they played Washington, when they played the Dolphins, when they played the Giants. They looked invincible. They looked like one of the best teams we've ever seen in the NFL. When they play the Patriots, when they play the Eagles, when they play anyone with a winning record, they shrivel up in the, they shrivel up in the big moment. They play scared. They look intimidated. I think it's a direct reflection on the way the head coach carries his, carries his team, carries his attitude. I think Mike McCarthy will improve that. So that's the biggest addition this offseason. A new head coach, let the offense go a little bit, be more aggressive, and the Cowboys will win the NFC East. The NFC North, I'm really, really liking this Minnesota Vikings team more and more as the season approaches. I really like their roster coming into this year. I love the Yannick and Gakwe pair. Because now you really, especially on the defensive side, what you do is you have great tandems on all three levels. You have Yannick Ngakwe paired with Daniel Hunter, two great edge rushers. 
getting pressure on the quarterback. You have Anthony Barr and uh, Eric Hendricks, two great linebackers in the second level. And back there in the secondary, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, two great safeties. So you have talent on all three levels of the defense. Mike Sammer's a great defensive coach. Even though they lost to Fon Diggs' offseason. I think Justin Jefferson can step in, play well, and more importantly, he can cover the middle of the field. You let Adam Thielen now take over to Stephon, Stephon Dix's role. Let him go deep. Let him you know, make some explosive plays. So I'm a big fan of what the Vikings are doing. Kirk Cousins, you know, he is what he is. We know what he is at this point. He's a good enough quarterback to win the division in the regular season. I'm interested to see now that he finally got through in the playoffs, right? He had that, he had that pretty good game down in New Orleans, had that great drive in overtime to win them the game. We know what Kirk Cousins is in the big moment, and that's not a lot. So I'm curious now, see, I mean, obviously they got their doors blown off the next week, but the, the 49ers are just such a better team. Does he gain more confidence that is Kirk Cousins? Finally kind of breaking, breaking the ceiling a little bit. Rewriting that script that we've written about him where we write him off in the big game. So I'm interested to see if Kirk Cousins can bring that confidence with him and play even better, be more aggressive. And when they actually play good teams, when they need him to play well in order to win, I wonder if he can do it. I hope so. So I'm thinking Kirk Cousins is going to step up a little bit more than normal. His Vikings offense will be good. The defense will be really good. And you look at the rest of the division. The Packers, to me, are going to really regress. And they were one of the... It's crazy to say. This is one of, they were the, one of the worst 13-3 and three teams I think we've ever seen. No one was really intimidated by the Packers. No one was even really buying into the Packers last year. Even as they make their way to the NFC title game. No one was really giving them a chance. No one was really impressed or blown away by what they've done in Green Bay. So I think that because they had a lot of luck go on their side, they won a lot of close games. Those things tend to even out. You win a lot of close games. You have a lot of things break your way one year. For the most part, usually it evens out the next year. I think that's going to happen. I think reality is going to hit uh, the Packers hard. They did nothing to improve their team. They had holes at receiver behind Devonta Adams. They have no, really no one. They didn't address that. Instead, they added a running back and drafted a quarterback with their first two picks. So they already have one eye in the rebuild. They're almost similar situation as the Chargers. They're good enough to win now. They also have one eye in the future. They're doing both at the same time. That does not work. So I think they'll regress. The Lions are an intriguing team to me. Now, if we have time, I apologize for the late start. But I was going to do a segment of a few teams I think they are going to be risers this year that we're not really talking about and two teams that are going to be fallers. Well, the Packers are going to be on that fall list. Going from 13-3, I think they'll regress. The Lions are on my list of risers. They're intriguing. 3-12-1 last year. If Matthew Savard, now this is a big if, if he can stay healthy, I think the Lions can be competitive this year. I'm not saying playoff team. I think they'll miss out, but I think they could be a fringe playoff team. They could be a team in the mix, at least, where they are the first or second team out as we get to November and get to December. Again, assuming the health, which is a big assumption, but assuming the health of Matthew Stafford. Because I like the team. I think they're talented. They have a talented roster. Now, do I trust Matt Patricia? I don't. I don't. But I think the offense is good enough to win them some games. So they'll be intriguing, but not good enough to win the division. And flat out, the Bears are going to stink. To me, the Bears are finishing last in this division. Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, doesn't matter. Neither one's going to work. They're, I, both are going to start. Over under, I'm saying week five. Nick Foles will be in. I would take that bet right at week five. So Trubisky will start. We'll see how long his leash is. I don't think either, either quarterback is going to be the savior here. 
To me, the Bears are going to stink, and I think they'll finish last. Touched by the Minnesota Vikings. Take the NFC North. The South is interesting. The South is really intriguing. These next two divisions, the NFC South, the NFC West, two of the best divisions and two of the deepest divisions in all the NFL. Right, we'll start with the South. A lot of sexiness, a lot of attention on Tampa Bay. You had Tom Brady. You had Rob Gronkowski. You recently signed Leonard Fournette. You had him with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Bruce Arians is the head coach once aired out. It's fun. They're a fun, intriguing team. But to me, the Saints are just too good. And they have, talk about truly, one of the best rosters in all the NFL. And then they get better by adding Emmanuel Sanders. They get better by improving their backup quarterback position by signing Jameis uh, James Winston. You get better by getting rid of Eli Apple or not having him play this year. And you draft Cesar Ruiz to the offensive line. So a lot of additions in places of depth. Where we saw Drew Brees get hurt last year. Jameis Winston stepping up. I think you have confidence that he can play good enough in a two, three, four, five game stretch to keep the, keep the uh, ship going. Similar to what Teddy Bridgewater did last year. Speaking of continuity, right? We talked about continuity. I think it's going to be a major factor this year for team success. Teams that stick together, that return a lot of their core, I think are really built to have some success this year. And who has more continuity and familiarity than New, or- the New Orleans Saints on offense? Drew Brees, Sean Payton, their offensive coordinator, Mike, uh, Pete Carmichael, excuse me, all been together since 06. 14 years they've worked together. I'd say that's pretty good continuity. I would say that's, that's pretty good familiarity. They have rolled into a year with limited offseason, no preseason games. That's pretty good. When everyone's on the same page, everyone really knows what to expect. So the Saints will be another top offense this year. I think they'll be right in the mix for the Super Bowl hunt. So they're taking, to me, taking the NFC South this year. And finally, the NFC West, the best division in football. 49ers go to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, the Seahawks come close to winning the division. Last year, the Rams with Sean McVay are, are still a very intriguing team. And the Cardinals, upstart, spunky bunch, feisty last year. Could they take a step? I think they will take another step. So you're in the best division of football. Who's going to come out? I'm going with Seattle. And you go back to last year, week 17, at home against the 49ers. They were literally, this is not, this is not a hyperbole or exaggeration, because I went back and watched the end of the game yesterday. They were literally an inch from beating the 49ers and winning the NFC West last year. Having that number one seed in the playoffs, having that first round bye, and having the playoffs and the NFC go through Seattle. They come up literally an inch short with just seconds left on the clock. San Francisco ekes it out. They get home field advantage. They get the number one seed. They go to the Super Bowl. So you take that. You take out how how close these two teams were. Remember, you had Seattle go to San Francisco on a Thursday night and win earlier in the year. So you have these two teams really neck and neck in the NFC West. You have the Seahawks get better. You get Jamal Adams in a trade. The 49ers get worse. They trade DeForest Buckner, their best defensive lineman. Currently, I think Nick Bosa will take that mantle and really show to be one of the best defensive linemen in all of the game. But currently right now, you lose DeForest Buckner on the inside. You lose Emmanuel Sanders. So the 49ers got weaker. The Seahawks got better. They got stronger. I think, especially, too, with another year of DK Metcalf, year number two, him and Ty Lockett are a great wide receiver duo. You had you um, Greg Olson as a tight end, which is something that really Seattle's not had. Russell Wilson has really had a reliable target at tight end, which I really like with Greg Olson. He's a great security blanket. He'll fit in fine. 
So I'm going with the Seahawks. I'm rolling with Seattle. I'm really buying in that this could be the team. And to me, I'll tell you this in a little bit, they are the team to beat in the NFC. They are the team to beat in the NFC. So the Seahawks, the Saints, the Vikings, and the Cowboys out of the NFC, three wild cards. We're going with the Bucs. I'm buying into the hype. I like the Buccaneers. I think they'll, you know, despite Brady going into a, a new team, having some really new faces on the offense, I think they'll be good. And I think they'll definitely get a wild card uh, berth. The offense is still really talented. I'm still still buying into Tom Brady being good. I like his arm. I'm really not buying into the concerns last year again. Said it time and time again. I blame more the offense, the offensive injuries, um, lack of being on the same page last year for New England struggles more than Tom Brady. His arm strength decreasing or his overall play decreasing. So the offense will be good, a lot better than they were last year. More important, the defense will be a lot better because Tom Brady's not going to be throwing 30 interceptions. Part of the reason why the defense was so bad with the pass was because Jameis Winston was putting them in impossible situations. Picks in his own end. Turn the ball over and giving another team short fields. So you put the defense in a bad spot. So the Buccaneers, to me, I'm buying into the hype. Not to win the division, but definitely to be a playoff team. 49ers, similar to the Ravens. I love their rushing attack. Kyle Shanahan's a mad genius. And I don't think anyone's figuring them out anytime soon. They will continue to scheme up ways get their running backs in open field, make it tough for defense coordinator to slow them down. I think that's going to continue. Defense will take a step back because I think it's almost impossible to be as dominant as they were last year. But they'll still be good enough. 49ers will get in, and I'm doing it. I'm buying into the Cardinals. I'm buying in on their high ceiling. I love the offense of Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake, all great weapons for Kyler Murray. The offense line is improving, and they were top 10 last year for how bad this, this offense line was. They were top 10 in pass protection last year. They'll get better, give Kyler Merson more time, and they're actually a pretty good run defense. They are the sixth best run defense in all of the NFL last year, which is perfect considering you look at the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers. They all try to establish the run first. They all predicate their offense based on establishing the run and punching the mouth. The Cardinals can withstand those punches. So they're built well for the division that they're in. So you look at the other teams around the NFC, the Eagles, I think, have more talent and are more experienced than the, than the Cardinals. But to be honest, I don't trust them to stay healthy. They already, already, without any preseason games and a very truncated training camp, already have injuries. So this is a team that can't stay healthy the last few years, already can't stay healthy this year. And there's really no one else in the NFC that I look at that is really going to be competition. So I think it's going to come down to the Cardinals and Eagles for that last spot. I'm buying it. I'm giving it to the Cardinals. So Cardinals, 49ers, and Buccaneers are the NFC wildcard teams. So we'll do it as we wrap up here for these predictions for the NFL. Super Bowl prediction. Taking the Chiefs, shocker, out of the AFC. I'm buying them, taking the Seahawks out of the NFC. Chiefs, Seahawks, Super Bowl. I'm sorry to go chalk. I'm sorry I can't predict something that's crazy or out there or, you know, I'll tell you what I think. It's going to be chalk. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs to go back-to-back Super Bowl champions. First time since the Patriots back in, what was that, 03, 04, 02, 03? I'm buying in. They're just, to me, they're too good. I don't see Patrick Mahomes taking a step back. I don't see defenses all of a sudden turning it around to slow the Chiefs down. So Chiefs-Seahawks Super Bowl, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs back-to-back Super Bowl champions. So I'm curious your thoughts. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter.
What are we thinking for the Super Bowl? What are your predictions? So we get those when, when, the, uh, when Ryan Hickey's show returns. Also, I do want to get into this more. We always talk about NBA superstars in one way. We always talk about them winning, going to a team that could put them in the position to win. Why don't we talk about franchise quarterbacks the same way? I want to talk about Deshaun Watson's new contract from Deshaun Watson's point of view. And why I think it would have been better for him to turn the deal down. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. <laughs> Sorry about that. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, trying to get everything kind of fixed here, trying to put out some promos for the uh, for the next segment. Lost, totally lost track of time. But we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, talking football, football, and more football. We went through the AFC. Went through the NFC, gave you every division winner, every playoff team, and gave you the Super Bowl pick, Chiefs over the Seahawks for Super Bowl this year. Chiefs will go back-to-back in my eyes. I'm curious your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, or at Ryan Hickey Show, at Ryan Hickey Show. Sounds or spelled, I should say, just how it sounds. Nice and easy. So we're curious your thoughts here. Um... Who'll make the Super Bowl? The NFL is here. Chiefs Sections tonight. It's a good time, very good time to be alive as some sort of normality returns here to uh, to our lives. So taking your Super Bowl predictions. I'm also curious, though, as we get into this year, we did talk a lot about Deshaun Watson on Monday's show, right, with his new contract. I love the contract. Again, he's now the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes. I think he's well worth the money. I think he's proven that he's worth the money. And to me, it's the smartest uh, contract negotiation for the Texans to keep him there as long as possible. He had the best chance for success by paying Deshaun Watson, keeping him there, and hopefully hoping that he can carry them on their back um, to a, an eventual Super Bowl championship is what they hope. Here's my question, though, because I want to look at this from a Deshaun Watson perspective. But obviously, he got a lot of money. Four years, $156 million, hard to turn that down. But I'm curious, should Deshaun Watson, now that he's going to be in Houston for the next six years, is it best for his career if he stays there? He's going to have a lot of money, but is it in terms of winning? In terms of winning championships, because that's what we always talk about with quarterbacks, right? The quarterback position, more than any other position in football, we always equate with championships. How many rings did he get? How many times did he go to the Super Bowl? Is it best for Deshaun Watson's career to hitch your wagons to the Texans for the next six years? Because to me, when I look at the landscape of the NFL, I look at the way the Texans are running business. It would have been better off for him, play out the next two years of his rookie deal, and then try to go to free agency. Get on the open market and choose your destination. Because that, to me, is the best way for Deshaun Watson to actually win. And um, it's curious because I want to ask this question. I want to kind of phrase it this way. The NBA is going on, right? Playoffs are going on, so there's a lot of sports are going on, but the NBA playoffs specifically, now as we get our way to the conference finals, we're slowly getting our way there. The NBA, we always have the discussion every year of star players in their respective market. If they struggle in the postseason, we always talk about them leaving. And the latest example, the perfect example of this, is Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Milwaukee Bucks. Second year in a row, the Bucks have the number one seed in the East. Second year in a row, the Bucks don't make the finals. This year, even worse, as you lose in the second round. 
with expectations really high. And we really thought that the Bucks were just going to have a cakewalk um, to the finals. That does not happen. And now they're out. But what, what's the conversation like when the Bucks lose? Or, more importantly, before they even lost, when they lost Game 3 to go down 3-0, what was the conversation? What was the buzz? What was Twitter saying? All the speculation, all the discussion was, well, Giannis is going to leave now. Miami is going to look good in the Miami uniform. He's going to look good in the Golden State uniform. See memes flying all over, and we all talk about where Giannis is going to go next. Because it's come to the conclusion that he can't win in Milwaukee. There was questions about whether he can win as being the main guy. He's going to have to go somewhere else, team up with a superstar or other superstars on one team, depending on where he goes, in order to try to win a championship. And it's, it's accepted. Right, again, that, that was the first thing everyone's talking about from a national perspective. Bucks fan, whether you're any, any sort of fan. As a Knicks fan myself, I was thinking the same thing. All right, well, Giannis might, might leave now. He might try to go somewhere else to win a, t- a championship. The NBA, we see more than ever. If a team struggles to win with a star player that's built around them, that star player, more times than not, leaves to go somewhere else, leaves to go to a better situation and give himself a better chance to win. How come we accept, we accept that in the NBA but when it comes to the National Football League, when it comes to franchise quarterbacks, we don't view it the same way. We don't have that same discussion of, well, you know, Sean Watson, they trade DeAndre Hopkins. They have no weapons around him. How come we are not encouraging or imploring Deshaun Watson to go to a better team to have a chance to win? I didn't see anyone, including myself, because I thought of this after the show on Monday. It really kind of hit me. But when the news came down over the weekend that Sean Watson signed that max extension, or I should say a big extension, and stay in Houston, a lot of people had the same thoughts that I did. Good job by Houston. This is a good contract. This is, this is the quarterback you want to pay. He is the guy that's worth the money. How come we don't look at it from Deshaun Watson's pr- perspective and say, you know what? I'm looking around this team. They give me no protection on the offensive line. Bill Bryant is taking away weapons, not adding them to, uh, to the team. He's making it harder for me to win, not easier. Why do I want to stay here? Why do I want to subject myself to all this punishment of getting, you know, sacked a million times a year, thrown to guys that are often injured, when I look around at other teams and they have great situations that they are just missing a quarterback that, you know what, I'd have a lot more success with. I just don't get why us as a society, and maybe this is going to start to change because we see more NBA mannerisms, more NBA... What's the word I'm trying to look Like more NBA empowerment, I'll say, with the players choking into the NFL. We see players now, with Jamal Adams being the latest example, of players forcing their way out. For the most part, NFL players had zero leverage. You take what the team gave you. You sign the contract whether you thought it was too little, underpaid. You complained about it publicly, but guess what? You played in week one. Well, now we are starting to see more and more players speak up, speak out, and they are frustrated with their contract, if they're frustrated with the direction of the team, they have more leverage than ever. They have, no, they have more power than ever, especially with social media. And they can force trades. Jamal Adams, again, didn't, li- didn't like what was going on in New York, got out of there, went to Seattle. So I'm just curious, why don't we do this more with franchise quarterbacks? Because, again, look at what the Texans have done for Deshaun Watson. The offensive line has been a sieve at best. The last two years, he's been sacked, including the playoffs, 120 times in 35 games. A hundred. 120 times in two years he's been sacked and it hit a lot more than that. You see Andrew Luck, what happened with him? He got killed and killed and killed and it came back to bite him. 
So if you're Deshaun Watson, you want to take care of it. I mean, Deshaun Watson, no matter how tough he is, this is a guy in 2018 who took a freaking bus from Houston to Jacksonville because he had a collapsed lung and he couldn't get on the plane. They have got nothing to protect this guy. So now you're going to be here for another six years with the offensive line that really has not gotten much better? Not to mention, not only is the line not giving you much protection, again, what I just said, the, the weapons are regressing. Your best receiver, one of the best receivers in the NFL, your security blanket, your go-to guy, DeAndre Hopkins, out. Out. Your most reliable option you've had in your three-year career is gone. Why? Because they don't want to give him a, a contract extension. So now you are thrown to the likes of Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, and Brandon Cooks. Two of the three guys are exactly the same, with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller being deep threats. Two of those three guys are exactly the same in their injury history, not being able to stay on the field. Your running back situation is not great. The tight ends is atrocious. And you have a head coach at Bill O'Brien, who every move he makes as a general manager is worse than the last one. So why, what is keeping you, if you're Deshaun Watson, again, what is, what is wanting you, what is keeping you in Houston? Saying, you know what, yeah, this is the best spot for me. I think he would have been way better off going to free agency, picking his team. Using your leverage that you have as an NFL player to say, you know what? I'm about winning. I can't do it here in Houston. It's only getting harder for me to win, not easier. You look at what's going on with Patrick Mahomes, where the Chiefs, one of the best offenses in all the NFL, what do they do? They draft a running back in the first round. They continue to make a strength even better. They continue to make it easier on Patrick Mahomes. Saints at Emmanuel Sanders. Dak Prescott gets a wide receiver. All these other teams with Super Bowl hopes, with franchise quarterbacks that they're hoping to make a run with, are adding to the offense. And here are the Texans taking it away. So I don't understand why you know, we, we don't really view and why quarterbacks at the moment have yet to really flex their muscles when it comes to either gaining, le- uh, gaining leverage and getting out of there or forcing a trade. I mean, look at the NBA. You have LeBron James. You have Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Some of the best basketball players in all the NBA have switched teams multiple times in order to try to win a title. Why don't we, do, why don't we look at the same thing with, with NFL franchise quarterbacks? Because the reason why I'm making this, this NBA comparison is because we all talk about the superstar in the NBA, right? You add one of those guys to your team, it changes the dynamic. Five guys on the court, you have a really, really, really elite player. All of a sudden, even if the other four guys are, are not great, you all of a sudden your aspirations um, and your fortune has changed. Can't we say the same thing about franchise quarterbacks in the NFL? I understand they're, you know, it's NFL cliches, it's, you know, a team sport, one man out of 53, you know, the team has to play well. If the offensive line is struggling, you're not going to have the quarterback play well. I understand that. I understand there's a lot of moving parts. You need everything to go well in order to have success. I understand that. But at the same time, you have a franchise quarterback, you have an elite quarterback, all of a sudden, you're in a better spot than 95% of the league. You have the one thing every team is chasing, but few can actually get. So all of a sudden now, you, the franchise quarterback is equivalent to LeBron James' impact in the NBA, similar to Kevin Durant or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard's impact on whatever team they go to. 
So that leverage that quarterbacks have now, if you're really good, is insane. I think about it. If Deshaun Watson in two years forced his way out, got to free agency, didn't didn't let the the Texans franchise him, you know how many teams would be knocking on his door to try to get him on their team? I mean, honestly, what, 85%? Maybe the, like, maybe the Chiefs are the only team that would say, no thanks, we're good. But all 31, 30, 29 teams would make a run. Look at teams like the Colts, I mean the Patriots, Saints, Buccaneers. Two years, they're going to need quarterbacks, and they have great rosters already. They're all in better positions to win right now than the Texans. Because they all realize you have to surround your quarterback with weapons. And right now, Houston's doing the opposite. So if I was Deshaun Watson, I think the much better place to go to free agency. Risk it the next two years that you can stay healthy and not have a seizing and really debilitating career-ending injury. And then pick your destination. You're going to get the money no matter where you go. Right? Quarterback salaries are only increasing. You'll probably even get more in two years than you will right now. And you have a way better chance to win. You actually get support. Think about that. You actually have a support system around you instead of what it is right now. He's on an island right now. It's almost one against 11 with this offense he's going to be playing with in 2020. Why make it harder for yourself? And why not now that you have the leverage, now that we see safeties of all positions forcing their way out, forcing a trade if they don't want to be there? Franchise quarterbacks can do the same thing. And I'm just curious why we, as the public, don't kind of view the franchise quarterback similar to the NBA superstar. Because again, as soon as Giannis and the Bucks go down 3-0, all the conversation is not about, wow, number one seed's going down. It's, where's Giannis going? Milwaukee's not the spot. They cannot win with him. They cannot put a good enough team around Giannis to get the job done to bring a title to Milwaukee. We have to go. Going into the season, the reason why it was, it was championship or bust was because Milwaukee realized in their mind, right or wrong, if we don't win a championship, Giannis is going to leave. He's going to want to win. He's going to want to go somewhere where he can win. And if we can't prove to him that we can win here in Milwaukee, he's going to go to Golden State. He's going to go to Miami. He's going to go wherever he feels he can win the best. We should start saying the same thing about franchise quarterbacks because they're so rare. Everyone wants it, but there's not a lot out there. When you have a talent like that, you should be able to go to the best spot you want. You should be able to leave or force your way out if you don't see the team doing the best job possible to surround you and put, and put you in a position to succeed. So I'm interested in your thoughts. Should we maybe start pushing these superstar franchise quarterbacks to kind of almost follow the NBA model? Do you like all the switching? I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason why if you're not an NBA fan, you don't like it because there's too much switching around. There's too many team to team to team and stuff to keep track of. But I'm curious if Deshaun Watson would have been better off riding it out, going to free agency, and choosing his own team. I think so. I really do think so. It would have been the best thing for him. would have been the best thing for any team that signs him. Franchise quarterbacks are few and far between. They have more leverage than maybe any other position in any other sport. We always talk about supply and demand. The demand is through the roof. The supply is very, very, very limited. Those guys grow in trees, and they are not there every year. Sometimes it takes luck. But I'm curious. 
Should Deshaun Watson, in your mind, maybe have gone somewhere else? Ride it out and use his leverage to actually go to a situation where they are trying to support him. Now make life harder for him. I think so. So again, World Wide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show also on Twitter. To get your thoughts, Super Bowl predictions. Deshaun Watson, and, and are we going to really start viewing franchise quarterbacks similar to the NBA superstar? Should we, or do you hate it? Do you like that franchise quarterback? Do you draft it? Boom, you stay there for almost your entire career. We rarely, if ever, see these great franchise quarterbacks switch teams, and if it is, it's later in their career, similar to Tom Brady. Kind of when they're over, over the hill past their peak, when they move on and go to different teams. I'm into it. I, I'm into seeing it more, to be honest. I really am. So curious your thoughts. We'll get those, again, World Wide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. When we come back, uh, the NFL is not the only league kicking off this, uh, this weekend, and really tonight. I understand college football has happened the last few weeks. Some smaller games have gone on, but ACC football, Big 12 football is returning this weekend. We'll give you our college football playoff predictions for some big-time college football when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the World Wide Sports Network. It, it is the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back here. Uh, whether we want to or not, we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. A lot of NFL. The NFL kicks off tonight. Texans, Chiefs, and finally, with all the question marks, all the concern that we had kind of heading to the season, we do finally have some real football to discuss. Not only the NFL, also some college football as well. I want to kind of get into that now because... We um, we had very much, you know, a lot of doubts, I should say. I did, personally. But now to hear that SEC theme, to realize tonight is kickoff for UAB and Miami, seeing the ACC play, seeing the Big 12 play, SEC will kick off uh, in a few weeks here, um, but just about two weeks or so, two and a half weeks. College football is back as well with that. Of course, since we have the big boys playing this weekend, give me some college football playoff predictions. Now, again, like I said earlier to start the show, a lot of chalk here. I mean, to be honest, college football has been chalk. There's not much parity. It's really kind of turning into the NBA the last few weeks. Oh, the last few years, excuse me. The, the kings stay kings. The rich get richer with recruits. And it's become harder and harder to kind of crack that elite level. There's usually, I mean, honestly, maybe six or seven teams a year that are able to actually truly compete for a national title. But there's one team this year that I think is really not getting the love it deserves. Really not getting the attention it deserves. And another team in their own conference, to me, is getting much more love and it's misguided. So tell you what it is. We'll give you the, we'll give you the, the, the shoe-ins first. We'll give you the no expert is going to just really say anything different. So we're just going to shout into the echo chamber um, and say the same thing probably, on, unfortunately, most people are going to say. But, hey, we're in the prediction industry. And we're here to give you what I think is going to happen, not outlandish predictions just to get some attention. Clemson, first team in. I mean, just even without their great receiver, Justin Ross, this team is still loaded. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, we can stop it right there. We can start the Clemson conversation with, with Trevor Lawrence. We can stop it at Trevor Lawrence. Best quarterback in the nation. He's back. Travis Etienne, the best running back in the nation, is also back. 
Both of those guys returning, I and mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence returning because he could have opted out, Tra uh, Travis Etienne returning because he could have went to the NFL last year. Both returned and are playing this year with one goal in their mind, with one reason this year, to win a national title. They ran into a buzzsaw last year in LSU. No one was beating the LSU Tigers, just running through everybody. But now Clemson comes back loaded, comes back motivated. They're going to be in the college playoff. It's going, to, it's going to take a very 2020-esque situation for Clemson not to be in the playoff this year. So there's your number one team that's going to be in the playoff, the Clemson Tigers. Another team we're used to seeing in the CFP, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, I'll ask you, I'll just, I'll, I'll do my prediction with this. I'll ask you a question. Do you think Nick Saban is missing out on the playoff for a second straight season? Do you think so? Last year was the first year in the playoff history he did not make it with Alabama. Do you really think he's going to miss it again for a second straight year? Because I, I don't. I absolutely don't. You look at this roster. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan. They have a ton of weapons, a ton of talent on that, on that team. Now, obviously, the biggest question for them is going to be, who's going to play quarterback? Is it going to be Mac Jones, who filled in for uh, Tua last year? Is it going to be young, hotshot, uh, big-time recruit Bryce Young? To me, I would play the young guy. I'd go Bryce Young. In this, in this kind of year, with everything kind of being out, you know, different, we'll say, this is the year I think you kind of take a risk and play for the future while also having a ton of talent to win. So they're better than Georgia to me. They're better than Auburn. LSU's taking a step back. All three are on their schedule this year. So the schedule's harder. But they catch a break with Georgia with Jamie Newman leaving. LSU has had a lot of skilled players not only go to the draft last year, but also opt out this year. So Alabama's in a great spot. They'll be in the playoff. So Clemson in the playoff, Alabama in the playoff. Another team we have come to see a lot in the playoff of late, Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners. It's been a rotating door quarterback these last few years, and it's been no problem at all. Baker Mayfield, boom, in the playoff. Kyler Murray, boom, in the playoff. Jalen Hurts transfers in some success, but really more known for his legs than his arm, transfers in, boom, playoff. And playoff because he throws well with his arm. So now, who will be the fourth quarterback in four years to try to get the Oklahoma Sooners to the playoff? It will be Spencer Rattler. Big-time recruit, a lot of hype for this guy, redshirted last year. I think he's going to play really, really, really well. The offensive line returns four starters, which is huge. We talk about continuity, especially in college football, no spring practice. A very weird offseason with training-wise. That's big for him. And to be honest, too, look at the way Lincoln Riley builds this offense. It's concerning that, yes, their wide receiver depth is not great. Yes, their running back depth took a hit with Kennedy Brooks opting out. But to be honest, this offense is so plug-and-play. This offense is built to have success no matter who's in there at receiver, no matter who's in there at running back, no matter who's in there at quarterback. The schemes, the play calls are designed to put whoever's back there in a position to succeed. So I'm buying in that Oklahoma for the four, with a new quarterback for the fourth consecutive year will be very good and that they will have some success. And more importantly, too, the biggest question mark for Oklahoma is not their offense. It's their defense. Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, came over last year, improved the defense. Now, it was so bad two years ago, their defense, that he improved it significantly, and they still were not great. Below average. So now year two, another year under his belt, I think that defense will continue to take another step. 
they will improve and they will be better, which is going to be the main difference this year for getting Oklahoma in the playoff. So three stalwarts that are constantly in the playoff, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Clemson. I apologize for going chalk. I apologize for giving you something that probably you've heard a million times already. But here's the team that I'm really buying into that I have not seen. I've honestly, and this is, again, this is no joke. I have not seen this team really picked many places. I really haven't had this team talked about a lot. That's the Florida Gators. I'm buying in. This is Florida's year. They're going to make the playoff for a few reasons. Number one, they return their quarterback, Kyle Trask, leading returning passer in the SEC. You know, a lot's been said about him not really having the starting experience. I think he played great last year when he filled in for Felipe uh, Franks. I think he'll take another step now. The offseason, knowing he's a quarterback, having this offense designed to be built around him. I think he'll take another step. I think he'll be very good at the quarterback position. They return a lot of experience on both sides of the ball, which, again, in a year where there's no spring football, essentially, where it's the, the training has been different, the training camp itself has been very different. I mean, we talk about the NFL having, you know, getting interrupted and not being the same offseason. College football, you, make, you can make the argument that they're even more impacted. These kids are used to structure. They're used to working out in a certain way. Pros at least have access to gyms and trainers. These college kids, when, these go, when they go home, they don't have access to gyms. They don't have gym. Most of them, I should say, don't have gyms in their garage or personal trainers that are coming over. I mean, you're talking about, you know, filling up backpacks with sand and trying to run up a hill as part of your training this offseason. So to me, because it's been a, a weird year training-wise, having a lot of experience on both sides of the ball is key more than ever, especially in college football. So you talk about continuity. They are returning their same coaching staff, essentially. They lost one offensive coach. But the head coach and also the offensive coordinator, Dan Mullen, the same. Their quarterback's the same. And you look at why, you know, you look at other teams in that SEC that they're going to have to compete with, and also across the nation, but specifically in the SEC, and you have Georgia, who a team that a lot of people are picking to go to the playoff, a people are really buying into. Georgia has a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, four offensive line starters are going to be new this year. So, yeah, I am a little concerned about Georgia having a lot of turnover, having a quarterback that, to me, does not fit the system in JT Daniels. I'm very, very skeptical Excuse me, how he'll play in his first year in Athens, if he's even cleared to play from a knee injury because he's still coming off a torn ACL. So that's why I give Florida the edge over Georgia. I think this is the year Florida finally gets Georgia. The Gators have a manual schedule at Texas A&M week, week three, but fans are going to be limited there. Not to mention, Texas A&M, a lot of people are, are high on them, talking about them being pretty good this year. The reason there's a lot of buying for Texas A&M is twofold. One, they return a fourth-year starter quarterback in Kellamont. Let's be honest here. A four-year starting quarterback in college football is not a... I don't want to say not a good thing, but it's not as a big, a, a big of a deal or it's not as a sure thing or a sign of success that it used to be. Because now if you're, any sort of, if you're any sort of talented, the money is so great in the NFL, the desperation for getting a franchise quarterback is so great. If you're, if you're any sort of talent, if you have any first-round potential, you're going after year three. As soon as you're draft eligible, all the good quarterbacks are gone. Callum Mine, I say it nicely, not a good quarterback. Number one. Number two, part of the reason why Texas A&M was getting so much hype because the schedule was weak. I could have used a lot of different words there. We'll say weak. Now it's different. Now they have 10 SEC games. Now they have Florida on their schedule. So I'm not that intimidated if I'm Florida going to Texas A&M. 
I don't think they're going to be great. So that's manageable. At Tennessee, the final game of the year is going to be tough, but I think that's, again, Tennessee's still a little bit away from being a real contender. They're getting some momentum. They're getting recruiting momentum, but we don't see that turn up until two or three years down the road. So that, that's a winnable game. And to be honest, the biggest game of the year is going to come down to Georgia. Who do you trust more in a big spot? Dan Mullen or Kirby Smart? Really think about it. Because Kirby Smart has had the success. He's put Georgia on the stage. But every big game that Georgia's had, Kirby Smart exactly is not the reason why they're winning games. His game planning, his in-game decisions aren't exactly the recipe for success. So to be honest, despite a less talented roster, I trust Dan Mullen more in a big spot than I do Kirby Smart. <laughs> Sorry. Trying to do a bunch of things at once here, as you can see. Not the easiest thing in the world. But because of that, I'm taking Dan Mullen when the game's on the line to make better decisions and to put his team in a better position to succeed than I do Curry Smart at Georgia. So I don't like it. I don't like Georgia with JT Daniels coming in late, having to learn a new offense, and an offense that I'm skeptical that he can fit into, by the way. I'm, I'm very skeptical that will lead to success in a playoff spot for Georgia, so that's why I have Georgia out. I am never trusting Texas again. I am sick and tired, and I could do a whole, and I was debating it too, I could do a whole segment ranting about Texas, why we should never buy into them ever again. They have to prove it first, because every year, every single year without doubt, what is the offseason hype? What is the offseason discussion? Texas is finally back. They have this going for them. They have got that going for them. They can actually finally, this is the year they're going to put it all together, put all that great talent they have together, and make a run. Win the Big 12. Beat Oklahoma. Go to the playoff. This is not the year. It's never the year. Until they actually do it. Until they win a big game. Until they actually make the playoff or win the freaking Big 12. Win the Big 12. I don't want to hear about Texas as a college football contender or a college football playoff contender ever again. Ever again. Sam Ellinger. Everyone is going crazy about Sam Ellinger, their fourth-year starting quarterback. Oh, Texas has a lot of experience. You know, four-year quarterback comeback. That's what you want to have this year. Sam Ellinger, there's a reason why he didn't go to the draft last year. He is not good. He is a pretty good college quarterback at best. At best. He's not the reason why Texas, or I should say he has not played well enough to lead Texas to the playoff, lead Texas to some real success. He had a great year. In 2017, you beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and what do we hear? What do we hear? Or I should say in 2018, excuse me. Texas is back. Oh, that's it, folks. Here's Texas. They're here to stay. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, where Georgia could, could not care less about that game. And then they go lay an egg last, uh, the next year. I am sick and tired of talking about Texas, about hearing about Texas. I don't want to hear about them ever again. Because every year they have a great recruiting class. Every year they, they always have some hype about bringing in some, some, great, some great high school players. And guess what? Every year we're talking about the same thing. They're an 8-4 and four team. Barely squeaking out wins against Kansas. So please, 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 never again. I do not want to hear about Texas. This is not the year. Last year's not the year. Next year's not the year. The only time I want to hear Texas and the college will play up is when Texas is in it. That's it. So people can buy the hype. People can talk about Sam Ellinger. Yeah, fourth-year starter. Texas, this is going to be the year. Oklahoma, some turnover. Big 12 is wide open. This is going to be the year. Texas is going to take it. No, I'm sorry. No. 
Prove something, then talk. Win, then talk. Win the Big 12. The Big 12 is not even that good of a conference. Honestly. What team outside of Oklahoma should really give Texas concerns, should really trip up Texas year in and year out? And they even had success. They've beaten Oklahoma in the past, and they still can't even give themselves a chance to win the Big 12. God. I'm, this is, as you can see, this has really been sitting in my mind, and it's something I want to get off my chest for months now. Months. So you heard the Texas rumors earlier in the year. I mean, obviously, you know, when we really start talking about the season, it's been tough because of this, the way the offseason went. There's really more questions of can they play than actually breaking down and talking about which teams will have success, which will not. But there's been a few times this year, this offseason, this summer, when it seemed, okay, they're going to play, we're going to have a season. There's a few times where, okay, we're going to talk about what we think this season, what's, what's going to happen this season. And every time it's come back to Texas, Sam Ellinger, you know, this is the year. Big 12 is wide open. Some question marks about Oklahoma. Texas has the horses this year to do it. Enough. No more. I'm begging you. No more Texas. I'm not buying into them. You should not buy into them. Just don't. So with that said, I don't think Georgia is going to be good enough to get to the playoff. Texas, I'm honestly, and honestly, I'll be honest, it gets me annoyed that even I put them on this conversation. I, I hate that I even gave them the relevance and just even including them in, pa- uh, in playoff contender discussion. Now, it helps that two of the main conferences aren't playing, so now they, their, their ranking gets boosted up, and they're obviously their odds get a lot better, but I'm still annoyed at myself for even including them, for giving them the decency to even get talked about when it comes to college football playoff teams. So don't buy into the hype of Texas. LSU, to me, just lost too much talent. Not only lost too much talent last year, but now you have Jamar Chase opting out. You have a very talented defensive tackle opting out. It's just, to me, it's just the losses are too much. The mass exodus is not good enough for L- or is not a recipe for success for LSU when it comes to making the college football playoff this year. So those are my four teams. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Florida. The Gators are getting it done, and they are going to make the college football playoff this year. That was a choice that not a lot of people have right now that I don't really know why. Also, not to mention, one of the guys, one of my good friends, Mike Zimmerman, works at The Athletic for their College World podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, for their College World coverage. does a great job. He did not like my Florida pick at all. Hated it. Hated it. I think he's wrong. Florida deserves the respect. Florida des- deserves the attention. And I'm going to give it to him. If no one else will, I'm going to give it to him. So to me, I have Florida as the fourth and final team making the college football playoff this year. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, that we have a playoff, we get to this point, and we can have these discussions. Because that really, nothing is more invigorating, nothing says we're back to normal than arguing team versus team. Well, this loss doesn't matter. Well, this win means more. Arguing college football playoff teams is so much fun. So much fun. Because it's always... It's always an adventure. The rationale is always fun to listen to of just people trying to justify this loss doesn't really mean much. Well, this win means more. College football is special, and it's so, so nice to have it back with a lot of these big teams playing. Starting with Miami tonight, and then again, more ACC and Big 12 coverage. This weekend, SEC in two weeks. College football is back, baby. It's back. Let's go. So let's hear your college football playoff predictions. Facebook, World Art Sports Area Network. Twitter. 
WWSRRand underscore radio. Tweet us. Tweet me at Ryan Hickey Show. At Ryan Hickey Show. We're taking your college football player predictions. We're taking your NFL predictions. Super Bowl. I have Chiefs over the Seahawks. Call your shot now. Let's hear what you are saying. Who you think will win the Super Bowl. No better, no better time to give your season predictions than right now when the NFL is starting. Let's drink it in together. Let's bask in the light. That is the NFL returning. So when we come back, I do want to sneak in one basketball point before we get out of here. And that's going to be, we're having game seven. I mean, for all the football attention we've paid today, last night was one of the best playoff games we've had yet so far. Raptors-Celtics, double overtime. A nail-biter. The Raptors pull it out, force a game seven. Who are we taking, Raptors or Celtics? We'll discuss next when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. There we go. I think that's honestly the first thing we did right this entire show. It's been a very trying show. Thank you for for bearing with us there. We are back here on the Ryan Hickey Show. Again, the show started late because of a, a downpour, in case you missed it. My usual commute of 20 minutes to the studio here turned into 50 minutes because of the heavy downpours. Roads are flooded. I had some roads shut down that I normally take here to go find my find a new way to get here. The longest, I think I honestly sat at the longest red light I've ever been at. It legitimately was five minutes long between signals. Insanity. Started the show late, having iTunes crash on us, forgetting the, the break time for a second there and coming back a little too late. It's been a, it's been a trying show, that is for sure, but we appreciate you sticking through. Definitely uh, next Monday will be uh, a lot sharper, a lot crisper. We do appreciate you sticking with us here on the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Doing a lot of NFL. Wall-to-wall NFL, wall-to-wall college football. We're giving you the cultural player predictions. I have Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Florida. Team not getting too much love. I'm not really sure why. They definitely deserve all the love and more. I'm giving it to them, so I'm taking Florida in my... um, as a, the fourth and final college football playoff team, NFL. Had the Bills, the Ravens, the Colts, and the Chiefs. In the AFC win their divisions, Cowboys, Saints, Vikings, and off the side of my head, sorry, and AFC, NFC West, Seahawks. Jeez. My NFC division winners, Chiefs over the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. What is your NFL prediction? Who's winning the Super Bowl this year? NFL football is back, thank the Lord. College football, major college football is back. This weekend, also thank the Lord. As we are rocking and rolling with that until the top of the hour here, getting your predictions, college football-wise, NFL-wise, at Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, comment on the, uh, comment on the, uh, the live show, Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio, or at Ryan Hickey Show. Get your tweets in, get your Facebook comments in, and before the end of the show, in just about 10 minutes, we'll read them. Get your predictions on the 2020 NFL season, on the 2020 College football season. So I do want to stick in one, one NBA uh, point here and discussion before we get out of here on this football intensive show. Is that we had one of the best playoff games last night in the bubble. Celtics-Raptors back and forth. Raptors take a lead. Celtics come back. Go to overtime. Go to another overtime. And Toronto backs against the wall down 3-2 to two in a winner-go-home situation. Squeak out a 125-122 double overtime victory to force a Game 7. Of the Eastern Conference semifinals, winner will take on the Miami Heat. So the question is, because we're not going to be on the air tomorrow, and that game is tomorrow night, game seven is tomorrow night, 
Who are we taking? Who, who are we thinking here? Because I really do think the winner of this series is going to go to the finals from the East. I love the Heat. And to be honest, well, I'm not picking the Heat to win. I'm rooting for the Heat. Jimmy, I love Jimmy Butler. I love watching the way this Heat team plays. They are just dogs out there. They're dogs. So from a rooting perspective, that's the team I'm going to kind of adopt and root to get to the finals. Who I think is going to make it? I think it's going to be the winner of the Celtics and the Raptors. So who is that going to be? To me, I'm still taking the Celtics. I said it last week. I thought the Celtics had the best chance. It was their conference. The Eastern Conference goes through Boston. After they went up 2-0 on the Raptors, after the Bucks were struggling at that time down 0-2 to the Heat, I'm still rolling with the Celtics. I think they will win Game 7. I think they will go to the finals from the East, and here's why. I really, really, really like their scoring depth that they have. They have multiple guys that can step up on a nightly basis and score, which is what you need in the playoffs. You really, really, really do need that. Last had the perfect example. Jason Tatum was outstanding, struggled early on, got to kind of, kind of go it late. But for the most part, he didn't really play a Jason Tatum-esque superstar-level game. No problem. Jalen Brown stepped up, 31 points, 16 rebounds. One star doesn't show up, or I should say, excuse me, one star struggles, Another one steps up in Jalen Brown. Kemba Walker was really the focal point that the Raptors tried to take away. No problem, someone else stepped up. That really has been something that the Raptors have struggled to do. Now, Kyle Lowry did it last night. Credit to him. He played outstanding. And towards the end of the game, he put the team on his back. He played great in overtime, great down the stretch of, the, uh, of regulation. But the Raptors really haven't had depth-wise scoring consistently. Consistently. And they shot a lot better last night. They're 40% from three. But in this series, they've really struggled at shooting the ball. And they're shooting 32% from three this series. That's not good enough to get it done. Now, even more concerning in a game situation is that Pascal Siakam still has yet to show up. J.C. Tatum has played great. Jalen Brown has played great. You had Marcus Smart showing up playing great. Kemba Walker has been a catalyst for the offense. You have all these different guys on Boston stepping up and playing well at different times to pick up their team. The Raptors haven't done that because Pascal Siakam really hasn't played well at all since the restart. That has me seriously concerned. Kyle Lowry played great. He is single-handedly this year and last year changing his postseason narrative because before it was he would play great in the regular season, would not play well in the playoffs. Raptors would play great in the regular season, boom, early exit, get bounced, get dominated in the playoffs, usually by LeBron James, and they left scratching their head of what else can we do. Kyle Lowry was a big reason why the Raptors struggled in the postseason in previous years, and now he's turning it around. Now he's being the reason why they're winning. So credit to him. He's done a great job with that. But if it's going to be the Kyle Lowry show, with inconsistent contributions from Fred Van Vliet, who, again, shot well yesterday, played well, Knock down some threes. But those streaky kind of players, those streaky runs that the, the Raptors have kind of found themselves and get me nervous. Because one bad night, similar to game five, it's a 30-point blowout. The Celtics have been consistent. They've gotten scored from all different areas. And have gotten great play from their stars when they need to. The Raptors have not been consistent. Nick Nurse has done an incredible job just to get to this point. What he's doing offensively, what he's doing defensively, is second to none. Said a few weeks ago, Nick Nurse is the best coach right now in the NBA because he's doing more with less. He is doing more with less better than any other coach. 
what he's getting out of this roster is commendable. Now what he's getting out of this roster, pushing the Celtics to a Game 7, when your best player in Pascal Siakam really has yet to make his impact, yet to go back to his regular season form, is incredible. And honestly, incredible. The fight that the Raptors have shown this entire series, again, just goes to the DNA that Nick Nurse has implemented on this team since he took over last year. Very impressive, very commendable. But when it now push comes to shove, we're talking about a winner-take-all situation. I'm going with the team that has depth. I'm going with the team that's been more consistent. And that's the Celtics. That is the Boston Celtics. So to me, it's still Boston's conference to lose. In my mind, the Eastern Conference goes through Boston. I think they're the team that are going to get to the finals. I think they're the team that's going to win Game 7 tomorrow night and face the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. So quickly, you want to get in? Any thoughts on last night's game, Celtics or Raptors? Facebook, World Art Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. WWSRN underscore radio. Or, or, at Ryan Hickey Show. If you haven't been following, I suggest you do. First of all, follow our network account at WWSRN underscore radio. WWSRN underscore radio. Follow our Twitter. You get a notification every time a show goes live. Download our app, WWSRN, if you have an iPhone, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, if you have an Android, WWSRN on iOS, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android. So again, you get a notification anytime a show goes live. We have a ton, ton, ton of great shows. Reaction shows after the NBA postgame. Errol Marks, incredible shows that he puts on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday nights. MMA show on Fridays if you're into boxing, if you're into mixed martial arts. Friday night, he does a show just solely dedicated to that. A ton of NFL content, hockey content. Islanders, brutal loss last night. I apologize to anyone who's an Islander fan. That's even being a Ranger fan. That, that's one that's tough. Losing a game that late. They're playing so well in a game you really need. That's fun for no one. So I don't take pleasure in kind of watching that happen because I've been on, on that end, that losing end, too many times. Too many times. But we have a great hockey show, great all-around content shows. So I highly suggest you download the app, uh, WWSRN and iOS, World Art Sports Network on Android. Follow us on Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Follow us on Facebook, throw us a like, World Art Sports Network, same thing. You'll get a little alert to your phone, put your notifications on, boom. World Art Sports Network is live. And that way you can always stay in tune no matter where you are. If you are here in New York, if you are here in California, here in China, Japan, Hong Kong, Russia, wherever. We are nationwide. We are global with one click of the button. Like, follow, download. You can get all our great content no matter where you are, no matter what time of the night. We continue to hopefully put out a product that you enjoy listening to, you enjoy watching, and hopefully keep on coming back to. So to finish it off, in case you are just joining us, better late than never. I could say the same thing starting the show 20 minutes late. Better late than never. That's been really the theme of today's show so far. Better late than never. But NFL picks. Chiefs over the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. College football playoff. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Florida are my college football playoff picks. Now, don't worry. We have a lot of fun stuff coming out here for the NFL season. One of the things we're going to do, revisit, because this is, this is the best, right? We make our predictions before the season. This is going to happen. This is why I think this is going to happen. And then what happens? The season starts. Chaos happens. Injuries, players just don't play well, teams overperform, we think they, they are better than we think. And all of a sudden our predictions look insane a month later, two months later, three months later. So we will revisit these. 
I've written down all my predictions. Division winners, wild card teams. We will revisit maybe about halfway through the season, kind of see, you know, kind of gauge, right? Let's see where we are. This is what we said back in, in September. How right, how wrong are we? We'll do that. We'll update you on, on kind of the standings for how we're looking. And then also at the end of the year, as a report card, kind of grade out these predictions and see uh, where we were right, where we were wrong. I'm sure we will be more wrong than right. But it should be a lot of fun. So we'll definitely kind of do that throughout the football season. And also have some new segments. I'm very excited as well. Kind of do some, uh, get some new ideas going, different ways to talk about what goes on in the college football world, what goes on in the NFL. Because a lot is going to happen. A lot, a lot, a lot is going to happen. This is going to be one of the craziest years I think we've ever seen from, a, from being a sports fan. Some, some teams will have fans. Some teams won't have fans. Obviously, the COVID protocol we'll see once now. Really, training camp was the easy part in keeping players healthy. Now we're going to see truly can players stay healthy? Can the NFL actually play amidst a uh, pandemic? It's going to be interesting to see how, how it gets done, the logistics-wise. I don't envy anyone in the NFL office that has to deal with this on a daily basis. But knock on wood. There you go. just did it for myself, so I'm not jinxing it. Knock on wood. The NFL can play safely. College football can play safely. The bubble in the NBA, base, uh, Major League Baseball, hockey, everyone can finish. And we just get a fall that is as close to normal as possible to watching football as much as possible. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Appreciate you tuning in. We really do thank you for bearing with us here. Technically, not the best, uh, not the best show, but Monday would definitely be a lot better. That's a, uh, that's a guarantee for sure. So thank you again for tuning in. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Whether it's college football tonight, watching the University of Miami, watching Chiefs and Texans kick off the NFL season. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. A lot of things are going to happen we don't expect. Sit back. Enjoy it. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy college football. We will discuss it all on Monday. So stay safe. Stay sane. Enjoy your football-filled weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.